Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the A24 film, After Yang. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for After Yang? Sure. In a near future, a family reckons with questions of love, connection, and loss after their AI helper unexpectedly breaks down. All right. And in sweet tradition, we start off with our one-sentence summaries for After Yang. Sarah, what was your one-sentence summary? My one-sentence summary is A Brief History of Tea. Oh, yes. A whole <laughs> freaking scene that dives fully into that topic. Yeah. It's just, it was great. I, I loved that. Like, finally, mm. non-coffee drinkers, tea drinkers, have <laughs> a moment in a movie. Uh-huh. This is mm-hmm. great. It's not all about the coffee. It's all about the tea. Yeah. <laughs> And they describe it so poetically as well. They do. It's lovely. It's great. My one-sentence summary is, after Yang envisions a future world that doesn't totally suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. And uh, we we need that right now. Yeah, we do. We do. (laughs) All right. Let's start off with our initial thoughts of after Yang. And um, we'll we'll keep our thoughts general and then include a spoiler and then dive fully into the entire plot of the film. So, Sarah, I am very curious. Your thoughts about After Yang. What did you think of this film? I loved this movie so much. I had such a good time with it. And honestly, like I felt very similarly uh, after watching this that I did after I watched Columbus for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those like, the whole time I was just like riveted eyeballs glued to the screen. Like I was engrossed in this story and in this world. And then like, after it was over, I didn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) I was just, Mm, I just sat there for so long. Like, how do I even move on with my day after this? And I really had to like sit and like think about the movie and uh, I don't know, like that's not something that happens to me every day. So it's just nice to uh, experience something that is so, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's also really profound and it's also very quiet and in some ways very slow. And you just get to like steep yourself in this story and in this world for a little while. And it was just a joy to do so. So yeah, loved it. It was great. Want to watch it again already. Yeah, this movie is right up your alley. Uh, We both Mm -hmm. adored Columbus and reviewed it uh, many moons ago now. And Koganada has struck again with After Yang. Um, It was it was interest fascinating to to watch this film and just see the world that he creates, uh, envisioning this future society. Uh, Just such a contrast to the vast majority of other sci-fi movies that envision an incredibly industrial, dark, um, a disconnected world that is, that feels hopeless. And 
there are interesting aspects of what Coconata has uh, woven into this world in After Yang. Um, some interesting uh, nods to things like surveillance by whatever power um, is in place in the society. But I was just struck by how organic and lush this world is. There's such an emphasis on um, the natural world being intertwined into the lives of these people. Um, the lack of of screens and um, the the way that AI and clones and humans are able to live together in harmony um, and peacefully. Just literally take any uh, typical sci-fi movie and this this movie envisions a total opposite world that those movies are uh, creating. And I just was fascinated by kind of the rules in the world that uh, is constructed in After Yang. I think I appreciate this movie more after watching the movie and finishing the movie. Um, there's just such a, a melancholy tone and uh, the characters in this movie are really yearning for answers to their big questions. And um, there, that was, that was an interesting feeling to sit with for two hours. And I think after having more time to process this movie, I've really appreciated it appreciate it more and more. So, all right, well, let, let's include a spoiler alert in this movie, um, for this movie, if you haven't seen After Yang, uh, we recommend checking it out. It is available if you uh, start a, a uh, subscription to Showtime, you can stream it After Yang. All right, now we have full reign, Sarah. Where shall we dive in first? What? Maybe after the film ended and you were processing through this movie, what was kind of running through your mind and what aspects were you, did you find yourself spending the most time ruminating on? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think the thing that really captivated me in a lot of ways is um, there's a line that Yang says uh in in one of their flashbacks um where he says there's no something without nothing and I thought that that was just a super interesting way to to frame that thought and even this this thought of like balance and I mean in even the fact that it's that his name is Yang and you know the whole yin yang thing and that concept of balance and and so nothing and something balance each other out. And you see, um, you know, all throughout the film, kind of like what you were nodding to, you see the, the organic and the natural and these, these beautiful, like lush plants all over the place in this very like industrial uh, society as well. And so you just constantly have this balance of these two very different things all throughout the film. And I even think within the characters, you know, we see them going back and forth and processing, you know, the, the joy of their experiences with Yang, but how they, they miss him and are grappling with the loss of him too. So I think in a lot of ways, this concept of, of balance and, and having these two 
opposing forces coexisting with one another. I just think it's really interesting how the film kind of plays with that theme really subtly all throughout though. But that was one of the things that kind of stuck with me and I was kind of toying around with in my mind after this film was over. Yeah, the the ending of this movie also uh, really furthers that theme because both um, Miko and Jake sitting on that couch are honoring and remembering all of the times that they've had uh, with Yang. And there is a sense of loss and uh, and pain and uh, yearning for those times. But also there's this, throughout the film, this appreciation of all of the memories that they did have together. I mean, this movie is interesting because it doesn't follow a a clear narrative arc and with an exposition and a climax and whatnot. It's it's almost just spending time with these people as they are going through and processing the fact that they likely won't be able to bring back this member, this member of their family. And a lot of the scenes are just them thinking back to uh, defining moments with Yang that were either sweet moments that they shared together or um, a particularly um, stimulating conversation that opened their eyes to something that they hadn't thought of before through something that Yang told them. And um, the the ending of this film is is potentially, you know, them going through that process of um, – of understanding their grief, but then coming to peace with the good times and the pain that they feel now. And that is such a, and it's so subtle, but that journey that they go on is, um, I think very, very reflective of the journey that I think many of us go on when it comes to processing difficult things. Um, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see that Jake in the first half of the film is, like desperately trying to bring Yang back. And that is his first instinct. It's like, how do we fix it so that we can just take away this void in our family? And by the end of the film, he's come to terms with the fact that Yang Yang is gone, but there are all these memories that they still have and can hold on to. And I love that the film starts out almost from this posture of a father is trying to bring Yang back for his daughter like that that's kind of how I took it in the beginning and I love how the film is so methodical to show us that it wasn't just Yang and Mika who had the strong bond but you see you know that extended scene about tea between Jake and Yang and then you even see moments with uh the the wife as well and her interactions with Yang and realizing that it's not like oh he's just some piece of AI, who's this piece of technology uh, that was just there to support the family, but they actually viewed him as a member of the family. He was Mika's brother. He was their son. Uh, and I just love the intentionality to, to show that relationship kind of unfurl it over time rather than just at the beginning, uh, giving us all of the information. Yeah, and what was incredibly beautiful about those scenes is 
the un- understated nature and then the subtlety of the way that they showed those that intimacy or the tenderness between the family members with Yang in those quieter moments. Um, it just is such a contrast to a lot of the, the films we typically see that are created um, in Western society and Hollywood that um, depict intimacy and closeness within a family so differently. There's something that's just um, quiet and humble about the bonds that are that we get a tiny peek into. And I was struck by that because it's such it's so different from what we typically see as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the subtlety, I think, is one of the things that makes this so beautiful, you know, and, and like you said earlier, it's just spending time with these characters as they're navigating through this thing. And these characters are so human, too. Like, you see them make mistakes you see them you know I I love that the the parents like you can tell that there's there's intimacy there but there's also distance and Mm -hmm. those moments when it's like oh there's kind of a fight brewing but it's not happening yet whereas like a lot of movies especially like here in the west like that would be the big thing we'd want to see the fight we don't always go for those quiet like oh there's some tension but we're just gonna let that simmer um I also love that we get to see um Mika like freaking out and throwing a temper tantrum because she doesn't want to go to school one day like that's such a kid thing to do or going hey I want to fish like let me get a fish um so I just I love how human these characters are as they're navigating these very difficult situations and because they're so relatable it was just a joy to kind of like buckle in and just go on this ride with them yeah yeah absolutely and even yang uh felt Mm -hmm. incredibly human and that was just it's just such such an interesting way to write an ai character into a story um, in some ways, I think – I mean, one of the things that I loved about this movie is the way that Yang, as the AI, opened their eyes and showed them beauty in their lives and in the world around them in ways that they may not have noticed or realized. Um, those scenes where Jake is watching those – it's almost like one to two second clips mm-hmm. of one moment in Yang's day and – Simple things like looking up at the leaves of a tree with the backdrop of a sky or the shadows that would be cast um, onto the wall from the trees outside. Just tiny, small moments. Like he showed them what it means to be human and to uh, find beauty all around us in ways that they couldn't do for themselves. And wow, the fact that after Yang envisions a world where AI is able to make us more human instead of strip us of us of our humanity is just so fascinating to see. It's it's kind of funny. Like I I forgot that this was like technically a sci-fi movie. I mean, honestly, I know that <laughs> Yang is an AI and like they bring it up over and over and over again, but I kept forgetting that fact 
<laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> like Yang just like passed away. You know, I, I had to keep like reminding myself, mm. like, no, he he is AI, and it's just it's so interesting hearing you talk about it as a sci-fi film because it has a lot of the same themes as Blade Runner does, (laughs) but takes a very different approach to it. Uh, But it's true. I mean, that movie is also grappling with like, okay, what does it mean to be human? And, you know, these, these, uh, what are they called? The replicants are, are able to emote more than, than humans are and connect more than humans do. Um, so it's just fascinating that that these themes are still so relevant today, and there are so many different ways to explore uh, the questions around, like, okay, like what what does it mean to be human? And um, yeah, what a, what an interesting way to way to convey that thought. It's just, man, I. I struggle labeling this mm-hmm. as sci-fi, but it 100% <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most human sci-fi film we've yes. gotten. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was also just interesting to see the moments where Yang was in conversation with um, specifically Jake and Kira because the nature of the way that those conversations unfolded, I thought was fascinating because Yang is continuously oppressing and asking them questions based on what they've just said. And he's so curious and inquisitive. And part of me is like, well, he's probably programmed that way. Um, But, and so there's this reminder that he is still an AI that was programmed by humans to react that way and to ask that follow-up question. But it was just such a reminder to me um, in how much being interested and curious and pressing um, the conversation forward can open up uh, open up the, the connection and the bond that can be created. Um, seeing the impact of his continued follow-up questions in in an incredibly graceful way, but seeing the way that opens up the other person that he's talking to and gives them space to think about uh, questions that they might not have been prompted themselves, but they now think are thinking about, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the conversation he has with Kira. Um, and she begins to ponder these bigger questions. Like, do you believe that there's a life after death? And he continues to to, to probe her mind and see what else she's thinking about. And I just thought that was really just a, a beautiful reminder of the way that we too can be just invested and interesting and willing to continue to probe and ask questions to better understand the person that we're talking to. And, um, you know, it's fascinating that an AI is able to show us ways to be more human and to build connections with with other humans through this movie. I just thought that was really interesting. So we all just need to be more like Yang. Yes, this is, for real. This is the moral of the story. Everybody <laughs> be like Yang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what's also 
fascinating that the movie weaves in as well, which I loved, is that there are moments where we we are uh, whipped back to reality to, to 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 recognize that he is still an AI. You know, like I think um, Kira asks him, "Well, the fact that there is no life if you believe that there's no life after death, does that make you sad?" And Yang says, "Well, I don't think I've been." programmed to be sad and so you're just like and he says it so matter-of-factly it's like oh man Mm -hmm. he's he's so he feels so human and then there's these moments where you're just like actually don't forget (laughs) viewer that he is still an ai Mm -hmm. yeah i totally forgot um (laughs) i was fully invested in yang (laughs) It's just like, <laughs> oh, screw it, you're real. It's okay. <laughs> but I, I think especially with all of those, like, cutting back and forth and, like, taking us really deep into some of those memories, I think what was fascinating is just how memory works, uh, especially when Jake is, like, first kind of going through Yang's memories and like you said, like it's only a few seconds, um, but like the things that were important to him that were worth remembering. And it just, it made me think about like even how our memories work. And a lot of times it's not like the most like earth shattering event, but it can be like these small little things that had so much significance to us. And I love that, that digging into Yang's memories triggered memories for Jake and for Kira as well and again they're not these like earth shattering moments they're not these like high highs but it's like you said like these moments of connection where where Yang prompted them to to think about something differently or to share something that was meaningful to them and that is what they latched on and remembered about Yang Uh, and I thought that that was just such a cool way to get us to think about our memories and and how we view relationships and how we remember relationships as well, because it's, it's more subtle uh, a lot of times than, than we might think at first. Mm, Yeah. It's often centered around a moment versus a, a series of events throughout the entire day. It's like that one conversation or that one moment where you were struck by something. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And it was also really interesting to see as Jake is watching Yang's um, daily uh, one to two second clips of what struck him of that in that day to see how also diverse and different all of those uh one to two second clips were. Some were of um, Mika just, you know, like running around outside amongst the trees. Some of them were him watching from afar, uh, Jake and Kira like preparing dinner. And and just the the wide variety of, of things that can be beautiful to us in a day um, was also really illuminating you know it it wasn't all just moments of people or it all wasn't all just uh, images of of shadows on the wall or or leaves in the sky it was this collage really of 
random moments in different places. Some were of him staring at a mirror, uh, seeing the light come through. You know, I loved I loved mm-hmm. seeing that. That whole sequence was so captivating and serene. Yeah, yeah, and I I love how like again even that uh, kind of like unfurled over time, and and some of those shots, like especially him looking at himself in in the mirror wearing that yellow t-shirt with purple text on it um like at first it's like oh that's kind of a weird choice but then like later on you realize like oh no that actually has significance because it reminds him of that concert that he went to and so i i love how even those memories uh while they're they're a nice thought and they show us a wide variety there's also deeper meaning to all of them as well that we get to kind of dig for throughout the film Mm -hmm. yeah and it was it was neat the way that they unpack that because you see jake discovering those deeper meanings and going back to the concert Mm -hmm. clips and making those connections and seeing how there's like so much more than maybe the initial uh what meets the eye for him um, as he he begins to like string together all these different memories of, that Yang has, yeah. We also have clones in this world. We do, um, we do. and we have AI yeah. that can fall yeah. in love with clones, and clones that can fall in love with AI. Great, love it, <laughs> man. It's it's so different you know, as I mentioned from other sci-fi movies where a lot of them are exploring the fear that we have that we may create AI to be so intelligent and powerful that it overtakes the human race. And I think I might've shared this in the past on one of our probably previous episodes, but this idea of how we envision the future in media and things like films really shapes the way that we see the possibilities of technology and new products and innovations that we're creating now. And when there is there is a healthy amount of um, caution that we should have with creating AI, of course, but this picture of a future where there can be harmony, that we've somehow figured out, like you mentioned earlier, this sense of balance uh, between the different races, there's no one that needs to be more powerful than the other, is a really interesting idea that this movie pushes forward for us to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It was so different than, than what we've seen before. And I do love that you still get those moments of, of fear, uh, you know, from the, the dude who's trying to like fix Yang, but is also kind of a conspiracy theorist and all of that. So like you get to see him, you get to even see Jake's mistrust of clones and his hatred of clones and how that kind of starts to shift over the course of the film. He does, he's not like rid completely of that, but he, he sees them maybe as more human by the end than he did at the beginning. And so I, I love that it's not this like overly cheery, like, oh my gosh, everyone's best friends. We all get along. Everything's fine. Um, but it is largely that they can coexist, but they're still trying to work this out. So like, again, that 
that humanness of these characters. They're not perfect. They're not perfectly evolved, uh, but they're still trying to figure it out and seem to have figured out a way to have some sort of equilibrium, uh, at least at this point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that AI is not technically a free uh, race of I think what they call them, like techno sapiens, which I thought was such an interesting uh-huh. term. Love but they it. are bought. They are bought and acquired by a corporation. Um, I think they call, it was called Second Siblings, uh, where they bought Yang as a sibling for their daughter that they've adopted. So there is still, yeah, to your point, these like unique dynamics where it's not all rainbows and butterflies where we're living in harmony. There is there's still power dynamics that are somewhat at play here. And the other thing that I loved about this kind of vision for the future is, and we touched on it before, but just like how green it is. And you can see so much like plant life and, and how it's kind of like woven differently into their day and into their lives. And, and the, the, you know, their clothes were all sustainable. Their, their cookware was all sustainable, you know, like just the way that they lived was very different. And it wasn't this like super dark, uh, like metal. Uh, I feel like that's what a lot of like sci-fi stuff is. It's, it's dark, it's cold, it's metal, industrial, but this was much more connected to the environment. And that was just such a different way of, of viewing the future. And I, I loved that we got to see that, that softness and that warmth uh, in the midst of this really, really kind of melancholy film. Again, like it was such a nice balance to it all. Yeah, which is why it was probably easy to forget that this was a sci-fi film for you because yes, exactly. it was so almost returning back to a, a previous times. I mean, there is so few screens, if any, that I can remember seeing in yes. this home. Yeah. Uh, contrast that to uh, the film that you mentioned earlier, Blade Runner, and it is like bombardments of – advertisements mm-hmm. and screens everywhere like every street feels like Times Square um if you think about like Wally and the humans that are like giant and pudgy and just like glue to screens this this home at least we don't know where you know the rest of society is because we don't get to see it but this home has no tv no screens no sense of that there's no holographic prompt that comes up in the morning for uh, that like makes your coffee for you. There's there's so much that's organic, and that was stro- so striking and exciting to see. And I loved how they did, particularly the the video calls, because you don't really ever you you hear the the phone ring, but you don't ever see them answer it because it goes from the phone yeah. ringing to <laughs> yeah. you know them on the screen in a different aspect ratio. And so, I mean, they have to answer it somehow. It's some sort of device that they're using, but it's brilliant that we never see it because then that again, keeps us focused on 
the the human connection rather than the device itself. And I think that's another way that this film will actually age really well is because we don't see any technology. So this will probably still look as good as it does today, like 10, 20 years from now, which is pretty brilliant. Yeah, it was an interesting from a filmmaking perspective how they shift the aspect ratio and yes. there's a graininess and the color palette is slightly more faded to denote that they are, you know, in a conversation and then it goes back to the uh, aspect ratio of the rest of the film and like full saturation of color. That was kind of fun to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that. I loved how – and I, I find that fascinating that just – changing the aspect ratio and and the coloring a little bit uh, helps you know exactly what's going on because like present day and then like when he was watching Yang's memories were also in different aspect ratios. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's interesting to me that just changing that piece helps you know like, okay, now we're in Yang's memory as opposed to, you know, Jake's memory. So again, just a smart filmmaking choice where we can follow them and understand what's happening without having to be explained exactly what's going on. Can we talk about the the um, way that Jake explores Yang's memory and like the the UI yeah. of that was mesmerizing. And beautiful and just the the uh, way that the camera like oozed through that like memory bank was captivating. Like if I'm ever having a stressful day, I just need to watch that on a loop for about 10 minutes and feel, <laughs> you know, at peace. And the, the score that would play uh, behind those scenes too were just – you you felt the sense of awe and wonder and like there's something sacred here. This person's uh, most intimate uh, space that we are accessing, that we're get, getting to um, take part in. Um, and also the sense of like magic, you know, of, of that, mm-hmm. that space was, was just interesting. Like if, if you had to think about visually how to depict that, it's not an easy task and it's interesting to see the decisions he made for what that visually looked like yeah yeah I thought that that was was brilliant and and again it was this interesting combination of you know clearly it's technology but there were moments when it almost looked organic as well and so even in that like it's this consistent um I don't know, it's just consistent with this whole world that has been built. And I love that we start out with Yang's memories of of Jake and Kira and Mika, like, and then we, we dive a little bit deeper and then a little bit deeper. And so it's over the course of the film, it's almost like, like we've, we've built trust, even though I, I, that's not exactly the right way to describe what I'm thinking, (laughs) but like, um, you know, you no longer feel like you are invading Yang's privacy by looking at these. It, it almost becomes this, this hunt to know him better 
and to remember him better. And I, I love that, that, that it's almost like, okay, now that we've, we've explored the emotional bond with this family, we've, we've earned the right to go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and, and uncover the, the beauty and the connection that he had uh, with that first family as well. So I even think that piece of it where he has to like compress, you know, gamma and compress Mm. beta so that he can then (laughs) look at alpha and even like that before we're into that, you already know like, oh my gosh, that must be a giant file. There must be so many memories stored there because it's so big. He has to compress everything else to be able to access that. Um, And even the way I think like before he dives into it, you can see the three of them and Alpha has so many memories attached and it's just glorious and big and bright. And so it almost creates this like sense of wonder, like you were saying, to like dive into, ooh, who was he then? How did he affect this family as well? And the inclusion of that is is actually smart from a um, screenwriting perspective because in if you didn't sense yet and by the time that moment comes, the love and connection that Yang has formed with this family, there is a, a picture that those alpha memories paint of how much of an impact Yang had on this family and how integrated he was in their lives and how much love that there was there. You know, so many of those memories and moments of of the the mother of that family, you know, in the last days of her life and how much Yang was integrated into those seasons with this family, every season that they've gone through together, um, kind of draws this parallel between you're seeing the way that Yang was loved and loved this other family. And it is a picture of his impact and what his legacy will be with this current family that is just now beginning to see and realize how much Yang has been integrated and impacted their lives. So it was just smart, hammer, like emphasize that point uh, even further in case you, the viewer didn't get it yet. And it did it in a way like without being overbearing. You know how like sometimes like a mm-hmm. film has a point and they just like yeah. beat you over Sell the head it out with for it. you. Yeah. <laughs> And so I love that this film is able to reinforce that main thesis without making it seem too much or too heavy handed. Like, again, like it was just right. It was just the right amount of, you know, emotion and time with these memories um, to really give us the, the scope and the scale of Yang's impact without I don't know, making it feel tedious. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. This movie is so masterful at handling nuance and balance, like you mentioned earlier, so well and hold these tensions of things together um, that paint a more complex picture. So good. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, you used the word serene earlier. And that Mm -hmm. is exactly the vibe of this movie. (laughs) 
which is, and again, it's, it's like Columbus. Oh my gosh. I want to watch Columbus again. Cause it's so good. Um, but it's that, it's that same vibe. And I love that, you know, like a lot of movies, they're just, they're so loud. There's so much going on, like visually there's, it's just a lot to take in. In some movies it can feel almost overwhelming. Like you're just too stimulated. And so then I love that we get these little moments like after Yang, which is just, it's serene, it's peaceful. You know, there's not these like big explosive moments, but it's just this like tender, quiet meditation on what it means to be human and all of these com- complexities that come with being being human. And it's just so wonderful to be able to sit in this this serene film for a little while and just let it wash over you. I mean, we have so few movies like that. I feel like this is just a little gem that I just want to treasure. Yes, yes, absolutely. And what's interesting too about both Columbus and After Yang is it's so quiet and tender for most of the film. And yet the the characters are not at rest until the end of the film. Like if we think about After Yang, these three characters uh, in this family are searching and yearning for something throughout a lot of the film. There's there's something that is unsettled about their, their inner state and inner being as they're processing through what do they do in the aftermath of losing this family member. And they're, they're – searching for answers and meaning and all of that stuff. And only and, and all of that is done in a very serene way, but I think it's only in that last moment with um, Mika and Jake sitting on that couch where you almost feel like the dust has settled and they have they have achieved a level of tranquility and peace with what has happened and a way to honor Yang. That was different from say like the first 30 minutes of the film where Jake is desperately trying to get Yang fixed. And there's this sense of um, frenzy in their inner being that isn't translated out into like the filmmaking style, but um, there's, there's, it's serene. And then there's true peace and resolution that comes only at the end, which I thought was just also really interesting to convey in such a quiet and, um, just a quiet, understated way throughout the rest of the film. Only through like conversation and maybe like facial expressions and um, moments between the characters do you feel that sense of there's something that is still stirring in their soul that isn't quite satisfied yet. And I love that that ending moment of acceptance isn't uh, like overly happy you know like it's not like oh big smiles we're one big happy family without yang like we've resolved all of our stuff (laughs) you know it's it's this like nope we haven't figured it all out we're still mourning yang's loss but we're doing it together and that's enough and and that it's it's again it's so subtle and it's so tender and I, I love that it's not 
trying to tie this up in a big happy bow, but we know that these characters are in a better place than when they started, even if they're three steps down the road. You know, they didn't make it to the quote unquote mm-hmm. finish line because, I mean, there really isn't a finish line when it comes to grief. Um, but they're further on their journey than there were. And that's enough. Yeah, I was actually thinking quite a bit about Drive My Car and some of the similarities between After Gang and Drive My Car and how subtle the journey of the character is and how internal it is. We see it expressed in very small ways that um, give us clues into how much is going on within these characters beyond what we can see. But a lot of that is hidden beyond view like we, we we get these tiny moments where it's expressed outwardly but a lot of the 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 journey is is happening internally to these people that we're just spending time with and the subtlety of the way that drive my car unfolds and after gang feel um similar in nature and both are just so melancholy Ah. Oh. It's great. So melancholy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a yes. whole vibe. It's a, it's a whole vibe. It is. <laughs> it is definitely a vibe. And uh, mm-hmm. the vibe's not for everyone. But man, if no. you like melancholy, whoo, it's a great movie. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. I feel like I was in a much better headspace to watch After Gang than I was for Drive My Car. So this is, this is very good. I was prepped, primed for it. <laughs> it's also not three hours long and it's not in Japanese. So <laughs> there, there's already that. And can, okay, can we just say After Yang uh-huh. is only 95 minutes long. This is right? incredible. He was yeah. able to fit so many different topics, so much emotional yeah. depth, so much beauty a whole complex storyline and world in 95 minutes. Okay, other filmmakers, pay attention. We don't need these long-ass movies that don't go anywhere. Give me Mm -hmm. a tight, like, well-written 90-minute movie. (laughs) It can be done, people. Gosh, so good. It it just, you know, he's you're forced to prioritize and be so communicative with your few shots that you got in this 90-minute endeavor. Yes. Efficiency, man. Mm -hmm. And then it's also fascinating, like the things that he chose to keep in too, because there are some moments where like you just linger on a shot for a while, like longer than I thought that you would. And so given the fact that this movie is so short, it makes those moments where you linger even more powerful. You know, like, wow, the decision-making to like, oh, no, we need to linger on Colin Farrell's face for just a little while longer here just to really drive home the point. Like, wow. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned he was able to weave in a lot of themes into such a short time period. And I appreciated that, not everything needed to be fleshed out fully and impacted upon some way. There's just, they're almost like vignettes and this collage of ideas for you as the viewer to unpack and sink your teeth into. Like the whole uh, plot point that that is is part of this family, which is 
why gang even exists, which is Mm -hmm. to help Mika connect with her heritage as an adopted daughter and for her to learn about her Chinese culture was just, I mean, that alone, I was like, there's so much to unpack here. And it's woven into the way that this family was designed for this film. Um, But it didn't need to be this whole storyline that's continuously revisited. Just that piece of knowledge alone and the way that we see certain small moments where uh, Yang is teaching her about um, ancient Chinese history and things that happened and whatnot. And, um, you know, those small conversations where she tells Yang about being bullied at school and the kids like asking her if her parents were really her parents. Just these collection of small moments together, we as the viewers can put in the work to unpack and unravel and, and figure out what that means and how we understand that. Um, as you mentioned earlier, this movie's not interested in spelling things out for us. It's giving us vignettes for us to piece together and there's so much packed into each of those small little conversations and moments. And I, I love that we we got that moment where uh, Mika is talking about the, the kids asking who her real parents are or, you know, however that went. And, you know, just giving us a glimpse into the life of an adoptee because, like, as a not-adopted person, uh, things like that just, just don't occur to me. You know, like, I never had to, like question, you know, who, who are my parents? Like what family did I come from? Like that's never been in question for me. So I love that in just a couple of minutes, this film is able to take us into the world of an adoptee and, and how this little girl is, is questioning so many things. And and even though she has a family that loves her, she also know that she doesn't fully fit in. And, and I, I appreciated that that tension was included in there. But like you said, like the film didn't need to explore all of the ramifications of that. It was just enough to give us the glimpse so that we understand Mika, we understand this family and this society a little bit more, and we understand Yang a little bit more. And that's it. I thought, again, just a masterful piece of storytelling uh, that really helped us empathize and understand better. Mm-hmm. And also efficiently showed us how much Jake and Kira are intentional with the way that they want to love and care for Mika and thinking about this dimension of her identity and also what that reveals about the society that they live in, that there is a company dedicated to creating AI for these really niche purposes that are helping young kids better understand their identities and cultures that may be adopted. Like it, it all, it, it checks all of those boxes and accomplishes all of those things with that one little detail. And I did wonder, like you are – Chinese American, I like not adopted, but still Chinese American. And like, how did that piece of it, that like a, a way for Mika to connect with her culture and like learning about her culture, like how did that resonate with you? Or like, what did you think of that piece of it? Like given your own journey of, of 
learning about your own heritage and Chinese culture and all of that. Yeah, I I too am not adopted, but I actually related a lot to that moment because as an Asian American, I feel that same tension between cultures uh, growing up that maybe Mika feels. In her case, it's with her family unit and her um, her identity as an Asian and or a Chinese girl. But I felt similar tensions with like being at school and being, you know, uh, holding the balance between Western culture and then um, my Chinese culture at home and like learning about different customs and celebrating different holidays. And I feel like when I was younger, I had some exposure to that. But as I've grown up more, I've been more interested to know more about the history of China and things that my grandma and grandpa and my parents lived through to better understand their world. So the second siblings concept is interesting for the this girl who's in an um, adopted daughter, kind of holding those two cultures um, in in relationship with each other. But I think also for a lot of people who are immigrant children, they might also relate to this scene too, because that same idea of um, having two cultures to balance and to weave together is is very much relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I just, yeah, I I think that's incredible that this film again, like gives us an insight into that and is, is a way for so many people to relate to this family, maybe in different ways, uh, depending on our, our, our culture and our experiences. And I, it's such an easy, an easy way for us to empathize and connect uh, with these characters based on our own stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like you mentioned earlier, this film isn't overly optimistic about it. Like I thought it was uh, fascinating that Yang is, you know, they mentioned a couple of times, helping Mika connect with her culture by teaching her a lot of facts. And mm-hmm. there's several scenes where he's like, has another Chinese fact for her. Um, and, that is a dimension of this, but the the film isn't interested in um, conveying the idea that having Yang is everything that's needed. You know, like there is still mm-hmm. a gap. There's a dimension of like a cultural aspect and a values component of this that Yang may never be able to share with Mika um, because he is an AI. He is able to maybe share facts, but there's other dimensions that are limited because of um, who he is as an AI. So yeah, that, that was interesting too, to see that the film is not, again, leaning too heavily into this can solve this issue. It is a dimension, a tool that this family is looking to use and leverage and being intentional in, in ways that probably a lot of people may not have thought of before, but at least they're trying. Yeah, and, and to even see how that, intentionality actually kind of like led to uh gosh complacency maybe um and they were like so Mm. intentional like we want to teach our daughter about her culture that they kind of took a step back from parenting and like actually like being a family and kind of like offloaded some of that onto yang so i just i love 
that over the course of the film, it's like, oh yeah, this this started out really good, but then actually we we kind of dropped the ball a little bit. So we need to maybe take a more active role than we had before. So it's cool to even see how how these parents accepted responsibility and shifted their behavior uh, just in a, in a different way. So it's a different type of intentionality that we see at the end than we did in the beginning. That's so true. I actually forgot about that, but yeah, there is a scene where uh, Kira is talking to Jake and, and they're, they're discussing how they need us now that if Yang's not here anymore, they really need to step up and lean in into their roles and she was like, maybe this is a good thing. It's a good time for us mm-hmm. to re- revisit that role and not rely so much on Yang. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Man, there's so many layers to this film. So many. And I we feel- talk about honestly, it for hours. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we just like barely scratched the surface on this. Yeah. I, oh my God. In a 95-minute movie. <laughs> how did he do this? It's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know we could talk about this for hours, but any other last things about After Yang before we wrap up? Okay, can I have can I have two things? Yes. <laughs> okay, number one. I think it's fascinating that Jake's profession is in tea. And is is essentially like a dying industry in this film. You know, like we get to see early on, like a woman is looking for something that he doesn't carry. And she's for not even crystals. interested. Yeah, yeah. He's, Which he's is such a rage now. Yeah. <laughs> she's not even interested in even like trying what he has to offer. And we see a few shots of him just alone in his shop with nobody in there. And so I think even that dimension of him potentially like holding on to something of a bygone era uh, is, is again, just a fascinating dimension to this film and tells us something about this character uh, that the world has almost passed him by in, in some regards. uh, And he's still trying to maybe even like find his place in the world uh, when we meet him here. And again, like that's not like really ever resolved, but it's, it was just a cool way to get more insight into who he is uh, as a person as he, as he navigates this journey with Yang. And in that conversation he has with Yang about tea, you, you can just feel how much he loves and is passionate about tea and exploring it and how knowledgeable he is. There's like, the sense of awe and respect that he has for it. And it's so palpable in that scene. So yeah, there's this passion he has for it. Oh, it's just, it's great. Uh, okay. And so then the other thing, and then it's, it's very similar to Columbus because the architecture in both films oh, is just God. astounding. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love that house. I want that house. It had never occurred to me that you could have like a little courtyard in the middle of your house. Brilliant. <laughs> I now want that. Um, but I just, I loved how, how that architecture was used so strategically. Like there, there's this moment in the beginning of the film where uh, Kira and Mika are going out one door and Jake is going out 
a different door and the camera is in the middle and you see them exiting (laughs) two different doors on different sides of the screen. And I thought that that was just brilliant to show us so much about this family and where they are emotionally, but also just showing off really cool architecture at the same time. So I just, I had a great time just being in that house and just looking at everything, looking at the art, looking at how, you know, I loved that kitchen and how that was laid out. I want that kitchen. Um, It was just, (laughs) it it was almost like the house was another character in this film. And there's just so much visual interest while also being subdued and serene and just so subtle. Oh, is glorious. Mm, Loved it. I'm so intrigued to see what Koganada continues to create because clearly there is this love for beautiful architecture that he wrote into his first, his his, uh, other film, Columbus. And it is so apparent here as well. Um, Yeah. His eye for that. And also related to the the set and the architecture of their home is was fascinated by their clothing as well. And yes. kind of the understated simplicity and clean cut lines that were um, part of what they wore. Um, a lo- it looked like a lot of linen. Um, some of the clothing styles looked Asian inspired as well. So all of that was kind of fascinating to see through each scene as well. What are they going to wear today? <laughs> Right? Oh, it was it was glorious. And also like I my wardrobe is like all neutrals. Uh <laughs> and I loved that their wardrobes for the most part were neutrals and I felt so validated for all of my wardrobe <laughs> yeah. choices because yes. all neutrals is a vibe and they got the vibe memo. It was mm-hmm. satisfying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt congruent with the the atmosphere of their home yes. too yeah you know it all works together it's a whole vibe yeah yeah it, it, they yeah it, it just it, it integrated it was like the film had a color palette and everything was mm-hmm. chosen to complement each other and just mm-hmm. go with the palette oh yeah what a just what a feast for the eyes it was wonderful yeah, yeah. Gosh, I just, again, like, I just want to go watch it all over again right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Columbus after and just sit exactly. Yes. Yes. Sit in the melancholy, sit in the silence. Oh, glory. It's the best. Yeah. So I have one last little thing that I wanted to mention, and it's a moment that is revisited again later in the film that happens earlier in the film. And I think, and it just, I think this is going to be like a moment that sticks with me, which is Jake, when they're taking the family photo, Jake telling Yang to hurry up. And the movie opens with this. They're taking the family photo and Jake's like, hurry up, Yang, hurry up, Yang. And we revisit that later again, when he's reflecting on all the memories and whatnot with Yang. And we see the additional part of that moment that we didn't see earlier in the film where Yang just looks up and is just smiling and almost like taking in this, this moment with this family under the trees and the sunlight and just, I don't know if it was a moment of gratitude for him or a moment of just um, 
relishing in the like beauty of that little moment. But I thought that was really fascinating to see that Yang is in no rush to be anywhere and is so present and intentional with the spaces that he's in and the moments that he's in. And it's very human for us to be like Jake, be like, all right, hurry up. Like, come on, I've got to take the photo. And, and I felt this way after Columbus, but after Yang hits on this as well in such a frenzied, chaotic, uh, fast-paced society, this movie is such a reminder for us to create times and moments of stillness and serenity like you mentioned. So I just found that really illuminating that our human tendency is to rush and hurry. And Yang is not Yang. We just need to be more like Yang. That's the moral <laughs> yes, of this do. entire episode. That, that really is. So let's all just be more like Yang. Well, mm-hmm. That's it. Which in what other movie would we ever say that we should be more like the AI? Like, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that we want to be more like the replicants. Uh. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, I don't think yeah, there's any other just... AI I want to be like. Hmm. Is there anybody? I don't know. I'm going to have to There's AI that's cool. It. Like, um, True. What's the what's vision from oh, Tony Stark? Oh, yeah, sure. He's like he's, he's cool, rad. but you're not like wow. I want yeah, to take aspects to... of the way that you see the world into my life. <laughs> I, I would like to take his his knowledge, but right, pretty much nothing yeah. else from him. Yeah, because there but is yeah. no other. There isn't anything yeah, else to true. take. Yeah, it's just he's just a I mean, he can, giant he can fly. <laughs> He can. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yang is Yang is special. Uh, let's be more like Yang. The world mm-hmm. would be a better place if we were all a little bit more like Yang. Yeah. Also, shout out to Justin Min, who plays Yang. Yes. Um, I've seen him in a couple of uh, YouTube videos by this um, Asian American owned studio. And it's just exciting for it to see him in this in this film. And he does such a great job. Uh, conveying a a sense of humanity, but also slightly off too. Like he's not human; he's an AI, and that that's I don't know. That's just a difficult role to play that to weave in the humanity, but also give us something that feels like it's it's a little bit off. You're still a machine, ultimately. Difficult. Yeah, yeah. He did a great job. I mean, I think the whole cast did mm-hmm. a really really good job because none of the characters were simple you know even right. even little Mika has a bunch mm-hmm. of complexity in her as well and so again to be able to uh, hold all of these seemingly conflicting ideas together in as like as one uh, was not mm-hmm. an easy thing to do and I, I feel like they all they all did a really good job uh, Handling complexity and nuance and subtlety. Uh, Great job, everyone. What a good movie. Yeah. Whatever Coconata makes next, we best believe we're going to be reviewing it and talking about (laughs) it and watching it. And I just, I love that he, he doesn't appear to be in a rush, very on brand. Hello, what have we (laughs) just been talking about for the past hour? Um, Yeah. And seems to really take the time to let these ideas 
marinate and uh, really hone the script, hone the ideas, um, and make sure that everything is just right to produce these incredibly profound, uh, yet efficient films. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, take as much time as you need. When you're ready, we'll be there, <laughs> ready to review. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I appreciate that there are studios like A24 that are willing to fund and distribute and um, support films like this. This is it's, yes. it's not for the masses. It wouldn't do well at all in a theater release and all this stuff, you know. And so the fact that this can get made is is a miracle, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yes. What What a little gem. Just love yeah. it. I'm glad it also uh, is just as compelling as Columbus was, you know? Like, oh, me too. It is on par, if not even better. There's just so much. It's different. It's different, but it's yeah. the same in quality. So, Kolkanana, whatever you make next, we'll be here. We're waiting. Yeah. But no rush. no rush. No, no rush. Because no we got Columbus and we got after Yang. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. will, we got plenty Hold to chew over. Up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is our view and discussion of After Yang. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you can find it available on Showtime. I think a whole host of A24 films are available on Showtime in a recent deal that they made, I think, last year. Anyway, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about After Yang. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsy at gmail.com. Strategic Whimsy Experiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the total opposite of this movie Thor, Love and Thunder. (laughs) (laughs) We really whipped the other side of the pendulum. Dang. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Gonna be in for a ride next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the title itself Thor, Love and Thunder. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Lots we know what we're in for. We do. <laughs> the opposite. We hope you all have an amazing week and we will see you next week.